faith. Really uh, a great series, building and growing our faith. You know, there's a phrase in our, in our culture, and it's a common phrase, and it, it's this, this idea. It's seeing is believing. You ever heard that phrase before? Seeing is believing. If you can see it, then you can believe it. Now, this is um, a problem for God's people because uh, the scriptures teach that we don't live by sight. It says, it says we live by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul said in Romans. We, we live by faith and not by sight. We don't live just by the things we see. We live by faith in the unseen. And so the question then, uh, if that's how that works, we, we live by faith and not by sight. How do we, how do we get faith to really work in our lives? How do we get faith to really grow and to become the dominant part of our life with God and our life with one another? And the answer is hearing. It's not seeing, it's hearing. The scripture says in Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by God's words getting into us. Hearing God's message get into us. Hearing God's voice in our lives. This is how faith occurs in a person, is by hearing him. Today we're gonna to talk about how hearing is believing. Hearing is believing. Faith comes by hearing God speak to us, not by trying really hard. Some people think that there's this like thing about faith, like, oh, I really gotta work it up. I really gotta make the faith thing happen. I really gotta make it, oh, I'm gonna believe really hard. It doesn't work. Faith cannot exist within your heart without coming from another source. That source is God himself. And when he speaks into a person's life, when he speaks into their heart, faith begins to grow. There's a little seed of faith, the Bible says, that everyone receives from God when he speaks into their life. We're not talking about people who who uh, don't have any relationship with God, they, many times they don't have that seed of faith. But when the message of Christ, when the message of Jesus is, is spoken into a person's life, faith begins, faith appears. It begins to, to grow. We can do what we're told to do by other people. You can do what you're told to, be by, told to do by your pastor. You can do what you're told to do by your parents. You can do what you're told to do by people who are older than you and more mature than you. You can do what you're told to do, but unless you and I can hear God's voice, we'll never learn to obey for ourselves. We'll just do what other people keep telling us to do, which, by the way, is a miserable way to live the Christian life. You should not just do what I tell you to do. You should not just do everything I say from this platform. You should search the scriptures yourself and let God speak to you. That's the life of a believer. That's the life of a Christian. You should never just trust the guy who's telling you you should think this. 
You should search it out for yourself. This morning, uh, long before we got up um, at my house, nobody was up yet. Early, early, it was still dark outside. And suddenly, all of our smoke alarms went off. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? Smoke alarms in the middle of the night. I want to know why they don't go off at 3 p.m. What is it about, like, just at night? What is the deal? And so I was so mad, and, you know, my kids are screaming. They're like, man, Dad, stop, make it stop. Ah!" You know, out of a dead sleep, and and I'm going in the garage and getting the the ladder, and i got to set it up. I mean, I think I just came up with a brilliant idea today. And it, they need to have a button in every house and every apartment that if there's no fire, you could just like, bam, you hit it and shuts them all off. Otherwise, you've got to go to every one of those suckers and pull that battery out. That is so annoying. But here's what I noticed. Really loud. Some of you are like, well, that doesn't sound very safe, Pastor Ross. I will replace the batteries this afternoon. But there, there is a... There's, a, there's an illustration here I, I thought of when I went to, back to bed, ever, got everybody back to bed. I noticed that I could sort of still hear the sound <laughs> in my ears. And I was incredibly attentive to that sound. And I, as I, I was getting ready to speak on this subject, and I realized that that's how some of us are when we come to Christ for the first time. There is a loud sound that comes into our lives and salvation overwhelms us and it is incredible. But if we don't continue to be attentive, if we don't continue to be really aware of what's going on around us, pretty soon his voice just becomes part of the landscape and we don't really notice it anymore. It's like one of those little smoke detectors just sitting in the house. Not bothering anybody, just sitting there. Never notice it. You never look at it. I think we have to be the kind of people, if we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to take great leaps of faith, if we're going to live out an audacious, daring, bold faith, we're going to have to hear the voice of God in our own lives for ourselves. And that's the story we have today in Judges 6, this is, we're going to talk about Gideon. So let's pray over the scripture. Father, would you open the scriptures, reveal yourself to us. Lord, let, let grace and mercy pour into our hearts as we listen for your voice. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pick up the story at verse 11 where it talks about Gideon. But for context, let me give you the story Israel is being overtaken by the Midianites, the Midianites, and they are the surrounding people. And there's a few different surrounding peoples, and Israel has adopted all their customs. They've started to worship the idolatrous images of these people groups around them. And as they have done that, God just allows them to suffer the, 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 the problems of their idolatrous worship, and those people groups start taking over. And they take over the land. The scripture says here in the first 10 verses that they stripped the land bare because there were so many of them, thousands and thousands and thousands of these people. And they just took and they took everything. 
and they're dominating the Israelites, and the Israelites are having to go hide. They're hiding in mountains. They're hiding in caves. They're, they're, they don't have food, and finally, they cry out to God. And this is, a, this is a cycle that goes on all through the book of Judges. They adopt the people's customs, which they've been told not to do. They need to, they want, he, God wants to keep him as holy, and they want, he wants them to worship him only, but, but they, they adopt the customs, and they get in trouble, and things go bad, and then finally they cry out to God. And then he has mercy on them, and they repent, and then it, they go through the cycle again. It happens about seven or eight times in the book of Judges. So here is God in his mercy sending someone. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And this mighty hero said to the Lord in verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestor told us about? Did, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. See, Israel was taken out of Egypt, but what God wanted to do was take Egypt out of them. It's the same with us. A lot of times we're delivered from a life of sin. Egypt is this, this picture of slavery. We're, we're delivered out of being enslaved to things in our lives. And so we get deliverance, but then we got to get that out of us. That's what God wants. And so he's trying to get this out of his people. Verse 14 says, the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. <laughs> and the mighty hero says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am least in my entire family. I want to draw your attention to the idea that the scriptures are full, full of God choosing the weakest and the least to demonstrate his power. <laughs> Happens over and over and over and over again. Verse 16 says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will, be, you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Great man of faith. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, the angel answered, I'll stay here until you return. Verse 19, Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then, carrying the meat in a basket and a broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel said to him, place the meat and unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of his staff in his hand. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. <laughs> so weird. So crazy. What happens here? I love how this happens over and over again. God is, is, is showing Gideon something. He's showing Gideon that he's with him and that he'll provide 
He'll provide the fire if Gideon will just provide the sacrifice. That's true for me and you too. If we'll just provide the sacrifice, then God will provide the power and the fire. Verse 22, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. What an incredible hero. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Verse 23, it is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. And that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Baal, the other, the God that they served, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it, which was an idolatrous worship place. Verse 26 says, then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So what he's, the Lord's asking you to do is, in your village, I want, here's, here's where I want you to start. First assignment. First assignment. It's really simple. Right there in the middle of your village, just tear down that altar to Baal and put an altar to me right there. Very often, God will ask us to take a great leap of faith first with the people we know best, with the people who are nearest to us. Verse 27, look what Gideon does. Check this out. Look what he does. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. There it is. If only the next part of the verse weren't here. But he did it at night. Because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. (laughs) Almighty hero. Verse 28. Uh, Sorry, let's move down to verse 33. Soon afterward, the so so he so he does this at night, he tears it down, and they come out, they come out of the of the town early in the morning, and they're like, What happened? Who did this? And then they find out it's Gideon. All right. Verse 33, soon afterward. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Say power. Power. No, say it again. Say power. power. It's like he clothed him with power. And so he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. And then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, (laughs) prove it to me in this way. I want you to check this out. After being called a mighty hero, having his offering spontaneously combusted by an angel who disappears right in front of him, carrying out his first mission successfully and being clothed with power by the Spirit of God, Gideon was such a great man of faith that he asked the Lord for two more signs that this is what he had spoken to him. This is just like us, isn't it? We 
We want to hear God's voice, but we are so insecure about what it is. And I would suggest to you that there's a reason we're so insecure. That there are problems in the way we live out our lives as Christians, as believers, as people of God. Now, if, if we're honest, we have all felt like this. We've all felt like Gideon. We felt like we were too weak. We were, we were the, the least likely, too afraid to try. But God was speaking to Gideon about his future. So I want you to notice he called him. God called Gideon what he saw in his future. God does the same thing for you and me. He speaks to us based on what he believes, what he knows, what he sees in our future. And even though you can't see it, faith is believing that he knows and that he can accomplish it. Even though you're not sure, God's going to call you, hey, mighty hero. You're a mighty hero. Me? What? What are you talking about? I don't have anything. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It is my goal as your pastor to help you discover that God sees you as a mighty hero. But you got to hear his voice. You got to hear his voice. God wants to fill our hearts with faith as he speaks into our, our lives about his purpose. If you, if you ask Jesus about it, here's what he said. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is what Jesus said about us, about his disciples, about, about his people. They listen to him. In fact, he says, it's, it's more than that. It's not just a voice. I know them. I know what's going on in their lives. I'm in relationship with them. I'm aware of what's happening all around them. Listen, hearing, God is the, hearing God's voice is at the heart of a life of faith to follow Jesus. You have to believe that he knows who you can be. He is the one who can unlock the potential in your life. This is where faith comes from, is hearing him speak to you and believing it. Hearing him and believing Great leaps of faith must come as a response. Everybody say response. It's not about what you can muster up to think. Faith is not about trying to come up with some grandiose, crazy idea on your own. It's not about thinking of the craziest thing you can imagine and then kind of projecting that onto God. No, God wants me to do this. No, faith comes from hearing his voice. And when you hear his voice, then you're compelled. You have faith because he's spoken it to you. And then you have courage. You can go out and do it because he said it to your heart. Faith is responsive. It does not generate from your own soul. Do you hear me? It doesn't generate from your own soul. And so if that's true, how are you going to get more faith? You got to learn how to hear his voice really well. You and I, together, learning how to hear his voice. But why is it so hard to hear? Why is it so hard to hear God's voice? Well, here's some reasons. Very often, we don't consistently cultivate a personal relationship with God. We don't believe what Jesus said where he says, I know them. 
we think we can hide from him. We, we think somehow we can escape from him. We, there's a lot of guilt that is at play here a lot of times because we're not perfect because we end up being sinful or we end up doing foolish things and then we just cower, we kind of hide. Listen, it is a relationship and, and it, is, it is a relationship based on God's undeniable an unending love for you. And until you get that, you're going to have a hard time hearing his voice. And the reason you know that is because of what Jesus did, because of how he died for our sins and invited us into a life of resurrection faith. Resurrection faith, like that anything is possible. That if resurrection possible, anything is possible. This is what he invited us into. But it's a relationship that he's inviting us into. Sometimes we're distracted by busyness, materialism, or relational distortion. We have other relationships in our lives that are so painful that it distorts God's voice in our life. That happens a lot with, with dads who abuse kids. And so we project our view of our dad onto our heavenly father. And it's really hard to hear his voice. Sometimes we live with habitual and unconfessed sinful behaviors. We live with them. We're trying to handle them on our own. What he wants is us to come to him. We think that we, sometimes people think they must hear an audible voice. It's so hard to hear. I just can't hear anything. Listen, sometimes hearing audible voices doesn't mean that you can hear God. It means you can hear other things. Listen, there are a lot of voices out there. It, it, we live in a spiritual realm. We live in a physical realm and a spiritual realm. There are voices. I, I was uh, listening to a guy teaching Catalyst, and he was talking about how the best way that the devil gets you and I is when he mimics our voice. Because if you think you came up with it, you think it's more true. <laughs> if you realize that the devil's saying it to you, you're like, nope. I bind you. No, it's like, it's, like, it's like if you think you just come up with it, you're like, yeah, that's probably true. I'm a loser. Isn't that interesting? What we have to learn how to hear is God's voice through our own life, through our own soul, but it doesn't always come in an audible voice. It doesn't always come through a, a physical way. Sometimes it's a sense. Sometimes it's a an idea. Sometimes it is a, 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 a kind of a, a sixth sense, if you will. Sometimes people end up believing that he's just not speaking anymore. I believe he is speaking. And we're going to talk about some of the ways that we can have healthy hearing. But there, I was reading a story, we were talking about it this week on our team, about this thing that happened in the UK, um, there's, a, there's a frequency, 17.4 kilohertz, 17.4 kilohertz, and it is like a, a kind of a, a, a sound that kind of seems like a mosquito, and it's a kind of an annoying, um, an annoying frequency, and there's a, that what they say is that people under 24 are the ones who hear it best. People over 24, they hear it less and less as they get older. <laughs> and so in the UK, there was all these teenagers hanging around in a spot where they shouldn't be have been. And so they had this idea, let's put this, let's put this frequency, let's, let's put it out there 
And it ended up, they, they ended up dispersing all the teenagers. They didn't want to hang out there anymore. Isn't that crazy? Like this frequency was just annoying. It was just a, like a buzzing, like a, like a high-pitched frequency, and it just drove everybody away. They, were, they, they no longer were loitering. I never quite understood what loitering was. It just, loitering, it sounds so horrible. No loitering. Isn't that just like waiting? Isn't that just standing around? Anyway, but I digress. So, 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 they, so they dispersed all the teenagers, but then the teenagers got wise and they discovered what had happened and they started using it as ringtones and stuff for their phones. <laughs> so, they could li- so they could be on the phone during school and stuff like that. Isn't that interesting? So, so, so there's a, there are frequencies that we all are engaged with, but sometimes I think what happens to us as Christians as we get older, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, it's just the air conditioner. Um, as we get older, <laughs> as we get older and the hurts and the wounds of our lives and the experiences of our lives take their toll, sometimes we stop hearing God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that way. I want to suggest to you that there is a, 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 a way that we need to hold on to the promises that God gives us, both in the scripture and the ones that he speaks to us. And I want, I, I want us to consider how we can hold on to those promises and differentiate them from the things that are just our own ideas. Because your own ideas with faith don't have as much power as God's voice telling you something he wants to have happen with faith. And so part of the struggle is we have this question about when do you hold on to a promise? When do you let it go and realize it was just something you wanted? Well, here's what I'll tell you. Jesus himself wrestled with the same thing. When he got to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, right before he gave his life, what was he praying? He was in that garden and he was praying. The scripture says he was great drops of blood. He was sweating. It was agonizing. He was struggling to both listen and hear and obey. And he said, Lord, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, let this cup pass from me. Think about that. Jesus was asking, I don't want to do it this way. I think there are better ways. (laughs) Have you ever prayed like that to God? I think there's a way better way to do this. This way you've chosen is way too painful. Jesus was hoping for another way, but he ended his prayer with the same thing we should all end our every prayer with that we ever pray. I'm not talking about amen. (laughs) He ended his prayer with this. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. I want your will. So I want to suggest some healthy hearing habits. All right, here they are. Let's look at it. Number one, of course, is the scripture. You can hear God's voice the best through the scripture. The scripture is an interactive experience. Both the the stories in it are the stories of God's interaction with humanity, and they are interactive with us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training it in righteousness. 
What we need to learn how to do is meditate, memorize, and apply the words of God. Because here's what he did. God breathed on the writers of the Bible. 40 writers, 66 books, over 1,500 years. He breathed on them, and they wrote under inspiration from him. This verse says that all scripture is God-breathed, and I think what happens when you read it and when uh, you, you're like reading the scripture and suddenly something jumps off the page, page, have you ever had that happen? You're reading it and you're like, oh my goodness, what does this mean? This is, could this mean what I think it means? And it jumps off the page to you. That is God speaking to you. He's speaking to you through his word, through the scriptures. And I think the way, way it works is God breathed on it the first time and then when it was written, and then when we read it, God breathes on it again. And our hearts are awakened to his voice and to his truth. And so, number two, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and he is, he represents the presence of God here on the earth. God the Father in heaven, Jesus, the scripture teaches, is at his right hand making intercession for you and for me. And the Holy Spirit is active. Jesus sent him to the planet when he went back to heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. And so the Holy Spirit is here. He is the presence of God in our lives. He is the presence of God on display in the earth. He has gifts and he has power that he wants to fill you and I with. And so the Holy Spirit is that gentle whisper. Hey, you should stop right here. And just talk to your coworker for a minute. There's something going on there. Hey, you should, you should go by and see your friend. I find that the Holy Spirit talks to me a lot. I'll feel a nudging or, um, or just a sense of, I, I'm thinking about something that will come up over and over again. And if it's a bad thing, of course, if it's against the scriptures, I know that's not the Holy Spirit. But if it's something good, then I have to consider, oh, I think the Lord might be leading me to go minister to this person or care for this person or serve or do something that glorifies Jesus. Check out John 16, 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Everybody say, guide you. He'll guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, and whatever he hears, he will speak. Don't you love that? So the Holy Spirit's hearing, and he's speaking to you and to me. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. If you're ever wondering if something you're thinking is from the Holy Spirit, the first question you should ask is, does it glorify Jesus? Is this something Jesus would do? Is this, is this a good thing that promotes who Jesus is in my life? Is this a place where Jesus would go? And under what pretenses would he go there? This is also a good way not to end up in trouble somewhere is to listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Number three, your spouse your spouse, here's where I get this. If you're married, there's a miracle. There's a, <laughs> all marriages are miracles, people. Come on. It's true. 
Paul the Apostle said, it's, it's probably better if you don't get married because marriage requires a miracle. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, you, 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 you can have a lot more attentiveness actually to hearing God's voice is what he said. If you break it down, you can be available. But, but, but I think when you're married, there's a mystery of two becoming one. And when those two people become one, there's an openness and an honesty that is spiritual in nature toward one another. And make no mis mistake, intimacy is spiritual. It's not just physical. And in a, in a marriage, there is an openness and there is a willingness to live life vulnerable in front of the other. And every marriage is destroyed when that vulnerability is torn down. When something's blocked, when, when the couple stops praying together, when there is no more discussion about what God is doing or saying. Every marriage fails and starts to dry up. But if, but if it's a marriage, according to the scriptures, there is an openness to that person to speak into your life. And it's the way God designed it. And it is the way that we're the healthiest. I can tell you that my wife has always been the one in our marriage who hears the Holy Spirit first. I hate it. <laughs> she hears it. Takes me a little longer because I have a thicker skull. So, <clears throat> so your marriage is really an important thing. Your spouse. Number four, your friends. I think we're inviting our friends into our lives. Uh, you've heard me say it before, show, you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Like, like, like the, you, the kind of friends you hang around are the ones that are gonna determine your future. And so we need to invite confidants, allies, partners to help shape our faith. When we get in a community where people are helping to shape our faith, it doesn't mean they're the only friends we have, right? But they're the friends who can speak into your life. I'm suggesting that God can help share his voice with you because you have good community friends who are walking with you and speaking into your soul. Proverbs 15:22 says plans go wrong for lack of advice, many advisors bring success. And number 5, delegated authority. Delegated authority. Romans 13, one through five says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. If you keep reading this passage, it'll say, if you're doing the right things, don't be scared. If you're doing the wrong things, be very afraid. Because that's what God's delegated authority is for. God put delegated authority on the planet to help us, to speak to us, to keep us safe. All right, so here's the four realms of delegated authority. If you want to write it down, here's what I think. And lots of people teach this, but this is, a, the, the, there's four realms. Family, God put you in a family to keep you alive past the age of seven. <laughs> if you listen to your parents, your parents are God's voice to you. Right, that's, that's really what it, and that's why, that's why poor parenting and sinful parenting and abuse is such a violation to God. Because, because he's delegated his authority to them to raise those kids and to help them understand what God's voice is. The other uh, three realms are church, spiritual life. In other words, the, the community of Christ. You, by being here, are in a way saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to listen, I'm going to respond to the authority that God has given the pastors and the leaders at one chapel. 
And that's a helpful thing. That is for protection. That is for covering. It is for empowering and equipping and encouraging to hear God's voice. And then finally, it's work and government are the other realms of authority. And the, and the realms of work and the realms of government are established authorities. The New Testament speaks all about how well we should treat our bosses. Not working for them. This is what Colossians says in, your, in your, the passage. Don't work for your boss alone. Work for God. Treat your boss in a way that you would treat God as you worked for him. Well, you don't, you're like, just some of you are sitting here. Pastor Ross, you don't know my boss. He is Lucifer incarnate. <laughs> Here's what I can guarantee you. If you're working for Lucifer incarnate, God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to shape you and mold you. And you can pray to be released from working for Lucifer. But you have to do it, I think, if you're a Christian, on permission from God. Not just because you think he's a jerk. See, as believers, we don't do that. We have another purpose. Our purpose goes beyond just people being idiots. Our purpose has to do with God's plan. God's purpose in our lives, his purpose to teach us and train us, his purpose to win people to himself, to draw people to himself. And sometimes you got to stay in that job no matter how bad it is because God put you there. And that delegated authority is his work in your life. I know some of you are like, what are you talking about, Pastor Ross? That sounds crazy. No, that's how God works with people in our broken world. If the government tells us that we must do things that are a violation of the scripture, we must disobey. That's the only time. It's the only time you are, you are obligated to disobey is when the government demands that you do things that are a violation of the scripture. And, when, and, and just saying that, here's, here's what I believe. So the scripture is the standard by which all hearing must be measured. But the healthiest hearing comes from embracing all of these ways that we hear God's voice. Now listen, this is, I'm gonna end right here. I'm gonna end right here. A lot of questions that I didn't answer. But here's what I'll tell you. The priority for hearing God's voice is cultivating a listening ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. However, God will often use God will often use two or three or more of these five ways. And he uses them at the same time to reinforce what he's doing and what he's saying. To give us direction and protection. Maturity happens when we're willing to embrace all of these elements routinely. For example, I'm living my life submitted to some healthy authority figures. I'm not just out here on my own, making it on my own. I've got people above me, spiritually, or speaking into my life. I obey the government's rules. If you disobey the government's rules over and over again, you keep going 70 in a 55, I promise you'll end up in jail. At some point, if you insist on it. But if you're living under authority, well, 
and, and then, then God is going to bless you. There's going to be his speaking. If you're living in community with people who love God, if you're investing in your marriage, if you're asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, if you're engaging in prayer and worship and Bible reading, listen, here's your three last points because some of you can't stand to leave without the things filled in. Here they are. Here they are. You want to listen well, do these things really well. You want to hear God's voice better, do these things really well. Daily Bible and prayer, communal and personal worship. In other words, corporate together, coming to church, worshiping with other people. I find that worship is this thing that generates faith because we're declaring what God's already said about him and us. Listen, hey, 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 listen to me. We don't read the Bible every day just for out of obligation or duty. Well, you know, I became a Christian, so now I gotta read the Bible. <laughs> hey, you read the Bible every day to get used to what his voice sounds like. So that when the moment comes where you're kind of struggling and wrestling with what's going on in your life, you already have it in you that his words are already in you, that you are familiar with the way he sounds and the way he works. That's why you read the Bible every day. It's not duty. <laughs> I said duty. <laughs> it's not out of duty. It's not out of some kind of thing you have to do. It's because you're getting his words, his words into you. It's getting his voice into you. And of course, you need to be part of a faith community where people are helping you grow, helping you believe, helping you practice. Everybody say practice. practice. You know what you have to do if you're going to practice your faith? You cannot practice your faith alone. Any of you musicians, if you practice alone, you practice guitar, you learn your self-taught, self-taught guitar player. If you learn alone, if you practice alone, you will develop bad habits because you'll only do it the way you think it should be done. But you go to a really good guitar player for a lesson, and guess what? He'll start noticing, oh, you're fingering. See, your fingering's not, you don't have healthy fingering because you didn't learn it correctly. And your fingering, expert fingering, will help you go to a whole nother level of skill in playing the guitar. This is how it works in piano lessons, guitar lessons, and it's how it works in life. You try to live out your faith on your own, by yourself, it doesn't work. You, can't, you don't practice faith that way. You practice it with others, and then they speak into it. They get to observe you and go, hey, yeah, you're doing good. This is awesome. Way to go, man. Keep it up. Or eh, let's have coffee. I want to stir you up to be hungry to hear God's voice. And it doesn't happen when an audible voice, sometimes it's just a nudge, sometimes it's just a whisper, sometimes it's just a sense, but, but we have to have it if we're gonna have faith. Come on, close your eyes, bow your heads. We're gonna come to the Lord's table. And as we come to this table, I want you to receive receive what Jesus has done. Receive the message of Christ and the message of Christ is forgiveness love 
grace, strength, peace. Like Gideon, you may be really struggling to hear. Like Gideon, you may be overwhelmed and think that you're just too weak, too vulnerable. There's nothing you can do. Would you come to this table today and realize that you're partaking, you're receiving from the goodness of God, that the bread represents the body of Christ and you are taking his body into you and you are in some spiritual and mystical way allowing Jesus to come into your life in a greater measure. You're going to come and dip the bread in this cup and the cup represents the blood. Would you realize that as you're coming, Jesus wants to wipe away every foolish act, every shameful thing, every fear that exists in your life? He wants to do that right now. And some of you are far away because those things, those habits have been pulling you and distancing you from God. I want to tell you, he's drawing you close. Come to this table. Come and receive from him. Come and leave all your sins, all your fears, all your failures, all your foolishness right here and receive his provision. Father, I thank you for this table. Thank you for what it represents. Lord, illuminate that in our souls as we come here. We're hungry to hear. Lord, we want to hear what you say to us. We want you to speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.